Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Dear Mr. Chairman, we greatly appreciate your time, patience, and effort with respect to our recent negotiations and discussions relative to a summit sought, long sought by both parties, which was scheduled to take place on June 12th in Singapore. We were informed that the meeting was requested by North Korea, but that to us is totally irrelevant. I was very much looking forward to being there with you. Sadly, based on the tremendous anger and open hostility displayed in your most recent statement, I feel it is inappropriate at this time to have this long-planned meeting. Therefore, please let this letter serve to represent that the Singapore summit for the good of both parties, but to the detriment of the world, will not take place. You talk about your nuclear capabilities, but ours are so massive and powerful that I pray to God they will never have to be used. I felt a wonderful dialogue was building up between you and me, and ultimately it is only that dialogue that matters. Someday I look very much forward to meeting you. In the meantime, I want to thank you for the release of the hostages who are now home with their families. That was a beautiful gesture and was very much appreciated. If you change your mind having to do with this most important summit, please do not hesitate to call me or write. The world, and North Korea in particular, has lost a great opportunity for lasting peace and great prosperity and wealth. This missed opportunity is a truly sad moment in history. Sincerely yours, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America. That letter is, of course, addressed addressed to His Excellency Kim Jong-un, Chairman of the State Affairs Commission of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. It is a sad day uh, for North Korea and for the world in that the president has canceled uh, the summit. My personal thought is that the State Department anticipated North Korea canceling and so decided to preempt their cancellation by simply canceling it ourselves. Because that just seems like something we would do. And the president in particular. And I don't necessarily blame them. I'm just, that's, just my, that's just my take on the matter. So the North Korean summit has, for now, been postponed, at the very least. Canceled, if you will, but the president has left the door open, so I I guess it would still be called a cancellation, but he's like, hey, anytime you want to do that, you just let me know. So I, it's kind of like if you're going to go out for pizza with friends, and you're like, oh, I can't make it, and they're like, okay, well, anytime you want to. That's kind of how I read this letter. Could be completely wrong. I'm not actually an expert on interpreting correspondence between dignitaries. But that's just my take. Meanwhile, former President Jimmy Carter, lifelong Democrat, by the way, said that if Donald Trump is able to successfully strike a peace deal with North Korea, that he should receive the Nobel Prize. He said, quote, if President Trump is successful in getting a peace treaty that's acceptable to both sides with North Korea, I think he certainly ought to be considered for the Nobel Peace Prize. I think it would be a worthy and a momentous accomplishment that no previous president has been able to realize. Of course, uh, Carter won the Nobel Prize in 2002 for his work in founding the Carter Center. 
if this summit does end up happening, obviously June 12th is probably not going to happen, but if it does end up happening, it will be the first time a sitting U.S. president has met with a North Korean head of state. Other presidents have, but not while they've been uh, in office. So President Carter recognizes this, and great humanitarian that he is, says, yeah, he should get the Nobel Peace Prize if he manages to work that out. Which is kind of like, yeah, no, duh. Considering that President Obama received the prize essentially for his ideas about peace and his promotion of them, which is cool and good, but maybe it's a bit more substantial if peace is actually achieved by a president than a president simply talking about how awesome peace is. So for now it's on hold, but if in the future of his presidency, President Trump manages to get North and South Korea to officially, to officially, officially, officially declare an end to their war, I think the closest comparison we'd have to that in recent past would be Reagan's work in getting the Berlin Wall torn down. In other words, it would be huge for both the nations involved and the world overall. So I I think that the president's letter, I think it was I think it was tactful, I think it was polite, I think it was to the point. I think it recognized the status that Kim Jong Un thinks he has, but also reminded him that if you move, we will crush you like the cockroach that you are. To borrow the words of Kevin O'Leary. As long as we're talking about the president, let's just let's just keep doing that. President Trump has just gotten a paycheck. But not just any old Trump paycheck. This is the paycheck from We the People. He's received his first quarter presidential salary for 2018, and he has donated it to the VA. According to Politico, President Donald Trump will donate his salary for the first quarter of 2018 to the Department of Veterans Affairs. Acting VA Secretary Robert Wilkie said at a press briefing that the money would go toward caregiver support programs, including mental health, peer support, research, education, training, and financial aid. The president's gift underscores his promise to do all that he can for veterans, which includes supporting those who care for our veterans, not just those of us at the VA, but the husbands, the wives, the families, and the community of caregivers who are out there day in and day out, making life easier for those who have borne the battle. Trump has donated his 100000 quarterly salary to different government agencies uh, every three months. His donation to the VA comes at a rocky moment for the agency as we are waiting, uh, waiting a replacement for former Secretary David Shulkin, who was fired in March. Additionally... Uh, the House has recently passed a bill that would allow more private health care alternatives in the Veterans Choice Program. Uh, the Senate is looking to potentially take up this bill, and it is possible that we could see it land on the president's desk uh, before Memorial Day, so either today or tomorrow. Uh, Trump has said that he supports the bill. Uh, he said congrats to the House for passing the VA Mission Act. Uh, I think it was last week he said that. Um, the president also said that without that funding, our veterans will be forced to stand in never-ending lines in order to receive care, and putting politics over our veterans' care is unacceptable. So there's all of that going on as the president donates his salary to the VA. Since taking office, 
President Trump has donated each of his presidential salaries to different federal agencies. His previous donations have gone to the Department of Transportation to rebuild a crumbling infrastructure. By the way, you may not want to take Craig Road anywhere between about MLK and the 95. Like the entire thing. It's just not worth it, especially if you're going, which way would you be going? West. Westbound on Craig between MLK and the 95. Don't, don't do it. I feel like some of that infrastructure money may have ended up on Craig because I don't know what they're doing. I think maybe they're laying something, a gas pipe or something. I don't know. But something is happening and you will be stuck there for a long time. If you try to drive that way, just take a back road. Don't go then. Just don't. Just don't. You're welcome. So he donated uh, his salary to the Department of Transportation for infrastructure. He's donated to the National Park Service for battlefield infrastructure, uh, to the Department of Education to fund a summer camp, and to the Department of Health and Human Services to battle the opioid, the word I can't say, crisis. So each quarter, the president receives a $100,000 salary. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water. Um, You didn't need to know that, but I was just letting you know why there was a long pause. Now, uh, granted, the president receives $100,000 quarterly, and you might be thinking, whoa, that's a lot of money. It is. And it's pretty cool that he donates it. There are other people, though, that look at this and go, a hundred thousand bucks? That's pittance. What are what are we gonna do with a hundred thousand dollars? Oh, believe me, the things you could do. Now, granted, granted, in defense of those people who are like, Psh, it is estimated that the president makes roughly three hundred sixty-four dollars a minute or one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars a day, aka forty-two million dollars annually. So. You know, he really doesn't need that presidential salary uh, money, and he could be doing so much more, and blah, blah, blah. Yes, he makes more in a day just from his brand, his properties, his name, uh, his businesses outside the presidency. Uh, he makes more money in a day just from his his business world than he does in an entire quarter as president. But, now, as much as I understand what these people are saying, $100,000 is still a lot of money. And people that are as smart about money as Trump is, say anything else you want about him, the man is good with money if he's making $175,000 a day, okay? People that are good with money like this, they know how to take a little bit of money and turn it into a lot more money. So yes, though the president may not need that $100,000 each quarter, he's still earning it. So it's his money. He could do with it what he wants. And I guarantee you that if he kept it, he could multiply it into much more than four hundred. dollars thousand dollars a year but the president is setting an example here he's literally putting his money where his mouth is and saying look here are some things that need to be fixed and here's a small way that i can help to fix them and i say small somewhat sarcastically because that's the way again that's being reported on the news it's like Oh, well, he can't afford it, so it's not really a big deal. In fact, he should probably be donating more. Blah, 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 blah. Do you know any other politicians who have donated $100,000 to infrastructure needs? 
or ten thousand. Do you know another politician who's donated ten thousand dollars? Been like, oh, here, here's part of my paycheck to help fund the things that I say need to be happening in government. Do you know a politician who donates the entirety of their paycheck every quarter to fund needs that they see and that they say they want to see changed in our government? Look, look for them. You won't find them. Now, that said, Trump is not the first president actually to donate his salary. JFK and Herbert Hoover uh, both did the same. Trump is just the first in a long, long time to do so. And I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about this one next. As long as we're talking about donating money to help the government accomplish things it should already be doing, there's this story from Breitbart. Tennessee rep introducing bill to allow crowdfunding of Trump border wall. Representative Diane Black, a Tennessee Republican who is also running for governor of her state, promised to introduce H.R. 5876 legislation that would create a border wall trust fund to which average citizens could donate. The funds would be used for whatever it takes to build the wall. While Democrats blocked common sense border security and put illegal immigrants before our families, we are going to put America first. Real immigration reform cannot be achieved without a secure border. President Trump has been clear about this since day one, Black said in a May 18th statement. The most important job of the federal government is the safety and security of the American people. And if citizens in our country wish to contribute to this effort, they absolutely should be given the opportunity. In an interview with Fox News, Representative Black, a member of the House Budget Committee, said that her bill would allow any American to donate money to help fund the wall. I support President Trump in building the wall. It's going to take big funds to do that, she said, noting that Congress seems unwilling to raise the money for the job. Black said that the bill is patterned after the popular private enterprise such as GoFundMe, where people can gather to support favored causes and help people who need assistance. The representative also said that an effort such as this to fund work for a public monument has precedent. Indeed, a private group launched in 1833 to raise the funds that eventually led to the building of the Washington Monument. Black spokesperson Heather Douglas told Fox News, we're hoping to see the bill go through to the president's desk. Okay, so a GoFundMe, an official government-run, government-governed, if you will, GoFundMe for building the wall. Now, uh, before I talk about the implications of the GoFundMe itself, let me just preface it all by saying that I do support a border barrier. The form that that takes is its discussion for another time. But I think that a nation is unwise to not guard its border. Uh, and so I believe that a border barrier, call it a wall if you want, call it a fence if you want, make it electric, make it high tech, make it out of concrete. Again, that conversation is a different one altogether. But I do support having a border wall. I would support having a border wall with Canada. I, I'm not opposed to this. I've seen in research and in studies that walls are actually barriers. Not that they're actually barriers, but that barriers walls are very effective at doing what they're supposed to do and keeping out people who would come into the country with intentions of harming our citizens. So that's 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 the preface 
to what I'm now about to say about this idea that having a government-run, government-governed GoFundMe account for the wall, I think is is not the best idea that we have ever had. Here's the thing. First of all, first of all, I thought that Mexico was paying for this wall. So our donation's going to be accepted in pesos. Just kidding. Just kidding, guys. Relax. It's almost Friday. Just just work with me here. Secondly, I feel in my heart, deep down in the depths of my soul, that I'm already donating to the border wall. I call it taxes. Other people might call it legalized theft. But I believe when 25% plus of my income is seized from me by the IRS, I think perhaps I've put my fair share into the pot. I mean, you know, my, my, my little personal pot of wealth, if you will, isn't all that large. At least not in American terms. Now, in comparison with the world at large, though, uh, in general, I would be considered ridiculously wealthy. But in terms of the American way of life, it's not like I'm sitting on this pot of gold, right? In American terms, I, I have a, a, little, a little pot of wealth, if you will. And each year, Uncle Sam swoops in and scoops out a quarter of my pot and takes that and mix it in, mixes it all into his ginormous pot of taxes collected each year from the American people. Now I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm, I'm being kind of facetious here, but I consider it a blessing to be able to personally fund the studies of migratory patterns of locusts and stuff like that. I'm just saying that personally, for me, I, I don't I'm I'm all about paying the taxes. I think everyone should pay their pay their taxes. I think that we could do a better job in how we spend money and how we budget or don't budget money. And I'm grateful for the president's tax cut, although I will actually end up paying more money in taxes, but I understand that the tax plan overall benefits most of you. It it actually hurts me, but it benefits you. And so for that, I, you know, I understand that I get penalized for being single and stuff. And, you know, that's, that's my life. I get it. So I'm happy for you guys. Sad for me, but I'm happy for you. I see, I'm able to see the big picture of this thing. Like tax cuts overall are good for our economy and for our country. And so I think bigger than myself. My point is simply... That if Uncle Sam wants me to donate to the wall, I'm happy to do that. All I'm going to need is for him to give me a 100% tax credit, and I would put all of those dollars, which he would normally take from me anyway, if he just gives them back to me, I would put all those dollars into the wall fund. For which I would, of course, expect a tax-deductible receipt for the next year's tax bill. It's a beautiful plan, guys. Faultless, really. I will gladly donate to the wall. You just give me back what I paid in taxes. I will contribute that entire amount to the wall because I'm just a good person like that. And then you just give me a receipt, a tax 
receipt so that that then becomes a write-off for next year and we'll call it even. I feel like this is a this is a brilliant plan and 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 better than having a government led GoFundMe. I mean I'm just not really trusting that the government is going to handle those dollars well. Have you seen what they've done with like the post office? The treasury? Like don't even get me started, okay? Education? I think that sometimes our government does not do a great job with the money entrusted to it as a whole. Okay, I'm not blaming anyone in particular. I think just we have a pattern of possibly not spending money wisely in Washington, D.C. Okay, we, we, if you look at our debt levels and our deficit level, you might agree with me. So if you're not doing a great job with what you already have, which you forcefully, not forcefully, but which we're required to give you, then why would I voluntarily give you more of my money? Maybe if they outsourced the whole wall thing. I, if they did that, you know what? Outsource the wall building to Israel. I'd definitely be more open to donating to the cause if that was the case. But in its current suggested form, a government-led, government-governed GoFundMe account funded by Americans, I just... Uh... Like, for example, for example... Let's say we start this government GoFundMe account for the wall. And it raises, say, $7 million. Cool. That's great. But then, as that money's being raised, they're like, okay, once we hit... $10 million, we're going to start construction of the wall. So we're at $7 million, and then a new president comes into office and is like, yeah, we're not going to build the wall. What then happens to that money? Also, are we getting the best deal on labor? And it wouldn't be part... Materials. Who's determining all this stuff? Like, it's just, it's, it's too much for me. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm going to pay my taxes... You could take my tax dollars and take them out of the studying of the locusts and put them into the building of the wall. I'm fine with that. Or you can give me a 100% refund, which I will then donate to the building of the wall in exchange for a tax receipt for the following year. I'm good with that too. But I'm not good with just giving away more of my money. Um when I don't think that the money I'm currently putting in is being used well. Fortunately, no longer being used to fund Planned Parenthood abortions. I'm grateful for that. We talked about that yesterday. But I just I, a government GoFundMe account just does not sound like a good idea to me. How about you? Does it sound like a good idea to you? Would you donate to the building of a border wall via a government... Uh, hosted GoFundMe account. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at The Friddle. Send me your thoughts there. Would you do it? Would you donate to the government GoFundMe account or to even just building the wall in general? Would you, would you donate to this 
endeavor. Twitter, Facebook, at The Frittle. You can go tell me your thoughts there. Okay, so after the incident at Starbucks a few weeks, month ago maybe? I don't even remember how long ago it was. It seems so... So much news happens so quickly. Starbucks has a new policy. This new policy was announced this past weekend, and it now allows anyone to occupy space in any one of Starbucks... Rest, they're not really restaurants. Shops? Coffee shops? Is that what we just call them? You can occupy space in their coffee shops? Hashtag Occupy Starbucks. All right, I'm done. Uh, but Starbucks' new policy is that anyone, regardless of if they have any intent on buying anything or if they do buy anything, uh, you can you can just go chill at Starbucks anytime you want. You can you have access to their restrooms, you have access to their couches, the Wi-Fi, whatever it is. No matter if you plan on buying anything, whoever wants to can now just go hang out at Starbucks for any reason for as long as they want. No exceptions, no questions asked. It's being called the third place policy and is in place to let employees know that anyone who enters Starbucks, including their restrooms, their cafes, their patios, you walk into Starbucks, you are considered a customer regardless of if you make a purchase or not. Starbucks said, quote, we are committed to creating a culture of warmth and belonging where everyone is welcome. Now, these customers, so anyone going into Starbucks for any reason whatsoever, must still follow a set of general guidelines. So the general guidelines require them to, quote, use spaces as intended. <laughs> Be considerate of others, communicate with respect, and ask, act responsibly. Question. If you say... Everyone is welcome in our store. You don't have to buy anything. You could come chill here. You can come use the bathroom. You could do, you know, whatever. But you need to use the space as it's intended. Who defines what the space is intended for? If I want to take a nap at Starbucks, does that fall under how the space is intended? If I want to Netflix and chill for 12 hours on Saturday, is that how the space is intended? I, who determines how the Starbucks space is intended? Like, if I want to come in and play basketball? Not not the real thing, obviously. The court wouldn't fit in there. Okay, that's not a good example. Air hockey. My portable air hockey table. Can I play that in there? What if I want to have an air hockey tournament? Is that considered using the space as it's intended to be used? Also, acting responsibly. What falls under acting responsibly? Or better still, acting irresponsibly? Because, because, uh, Fox News did a story about this titled, Starbucks employees and customers express concern over the new policy, quote, I don't see how this will work. Now, this third poly third-party policies being called into question specifically in urban locations. 
In a Starbucks subreddit, according to Fox News, people are voicing concerns that the new policy will lead to stores being filled with homeless people and drug users. One user, who claims they work at a Chicago Starbucks, wrote that a homeless person using the bathroom got into a fight with a customer and police were called in, but the police wouldn't do anything until they'd seen the official written store policy. They were like, look, we can't, we're not going to do anything to show us what your policy is. Because the police are like, we're not going to get, we're not going to have this whole mess going on. Like, what's your policy? Are they allowed to be here or not? Another user wrote, this is exactly the kind of behavior that I fear will drive all the regular customers away, at least from urban locations. Opposing racism is nice and all, but it is not the responsibility of Starbucks to resolve all urban problems at one location, let alone turn its stores into homeless drop-in centers. On another thread debating the new policy, a Starbucks customer expressed similar concerns, quote, I can't see how this will work in urban areas with large homeless or mentally ill populations. I just worry about how many employees will be put in danger or get fired because of this. Someone claiming to be an employee who works at a store in the Loop in Chicago said they hate the new policy because the store bathrooms have turned into a hub for drug activity. They said, quote, we haven't been allowed to change our bathroom codes since April, so almost all of the junkies and homeless people know the code now. About once a week we find needles, drug baggies, and blood all over the toilets or walls in our restrooms. But others are arguing that while there was never an official policy in place until now, many stores operated under similar guidelines before the incident in April. Oh, it wasn't April, so it was a month ago. Okay. Someone wrote, quote, I was trained on this two years ago when I started. The whole controversy was caused by someone who didn't follow policy. In fact, they went completely against policy. The only time we're supposed to kick anyone out of the store is if they are bothering other customers or are damaging the cafe. Another user wrote, this is only a formal announcement of what is already unofficial policy, at least in most stores. Someone else added, at my store, we were never allowed to kick out customers that didn't buy anything. And we don't have a code on our bathrooms, so anyone could always use them anyway. In addition to the, unof- to the official third place policy, Starbucks also plans to institute unconscious bias training by closing more than 8,000 company-owned stores across the United States on May 29th to conduct racial bias training. Okay, so I see both sides of this here. I see, I, I understand what Starbucks is trying to do. They're trying to deal with a, the fallout from an unfortunate instrument. The fallout from an unfortunate instrument. I, I don't even know what that would be incident and repair their image and create this welcoming love everyone atmosphere because I mean I don't know if you're aware of this or not but Starbucks is already super liberal so it's kind of amusing to have to see them be like okay everybody we're gonna come together so we can sing kumbaya because some of you don't know how to be nice to people (sighs) on the flip side of this though is the very real concern for Starbucks in urban areas. Areas where, like, as posted on this subreddit that Fox News was referencing, Starbucks locations are becoming havens for drugs and addicts and the homeless. And I I hear the arguments of, well, we haven't changed anything. We never had codes on our doors anyway. Maybe that's because you lived in an area where you didn't need codes on your bathroom doors. I know we don't like to talk about this because it's not politically correct, but believe it or not, there are some places 
that are not as safe as others in this country. I, should we pick on New York City? We can pick on New York City. I used to go there. I don't know how many times I've been there, but I've been there quite a few times because we lived not too far away. And if you go to like Times Square, you go somewhere downtown New York, you probably will not have access to a restroom. And if you do have access to the restroom, it will most likely be locked. And there will be big signs for paying customers only. Our restrooms are for paying customers only. You may even have to go and request a key. This isn't because... Everyone in New York is racist and hates people. No, they basically live off of tourism and urbanism. Okay? It's because they know that they would be taken advantage of. By individuals that they would prefer not be hanging out in their place of business. So when you say, well, this didn't change anything for us because we never had codes on our doors, maybe you didn't need them. Maybe, maybe other people, it was a good idea for them. But so now Starbucks puts in this policy, and because of this whole political correct ridiculousness, a, a, a Chicago Starbucks calls the police and the police have to check with Starbucks as to what their guidelines are before they can intervene in a situation because they don't want to make a bad situation even worse. That seems dangerous to me. And then there are those that say that this was essentially always the Starbucks policy, that anybody could come in, anybody could hang out, and no one's supposed to get kicked out. And you need to just all stop complaining because nothing changed, it's always been this way. Okay, Sure. So even if that was Starbucks policy, right, that you could just come in and hang out and it was no big deal and you didn't have to buy anything, even if that was the policy before, it wasn't all over the news. It wasn't advertised blatantly like, hey, here we are. Come on in. Hang out. Do whatever you want. Nobody cares. Everybody's welcome. If that was the policy before, it wasn't advertised and shouted from the rooftops to those who would take advantage of the situation. There, was, there wasn't this mentality of, oh, we can just go chill at Starbucks and do such and such at Starbucks because there's nothing they can do about it. And if they try to do something about it, then we're going to sue them and we're going to get a free college education after we accuse them of racism, sexism, or some other ism or bigotry. Are you following me here? Like, I... That was always kind of my impression of Starbucks, to be honest. It was kind of the place where hipsters could just go and chill. And even if you only had 30 cents in your pocket, nobody really cared. If you were just sitting there with your computer, it's cool. That's, that's cool. You just, you just chill at Starbucks. That could be the unofficial policy and not be a problem. And quite frankly, wasn't a problem until April when this incident in Philadelphia happened. But now, now you have this official policy that is actually preventing law enforcement personnel from being able to do their jobs, not to mention potentially putting your customers and your employees in danger. Yeah. 
The political correctness has run amuck again. Whatever shall we do? We can wring our hands and run away and hide under a rock. It'd have to be a pretty big rock, probably, if we're all going to fit under it, though. Or we can, you know, try and make a difference in our world. I don't think that... I mean, if you, if you went to Starbucks before, cool. If that was your thing. You know, six bucks for a cup of coffee seems a little excessive to me, but to some people it's not. It's the American way, right? If you can do it, go ahead. Okay. If you didn't go to Starbucks before, that's cool too. If you want to boycott Starbucks now, fine. If you don't, okay. You know, sometimes I like getting a double chocolate chip frappuccino. And to be perfectly honest, I have a lot bigger problems with Starbucks than their new uh, everybody's welcome policy. I never thought everyone wasn't welcome at Starbucks. Although, you know, I, I did hear that Christians could buy their coffee somewhere else. Like, I remember when I, wasn't it the CEO of Starbucks? Was it last year? Just let us all know that we could take our business elsewhere. To me, that's kind of a bigger problem than this supposed uh, corporate-wide bigotry of Starbucks based on the actions of a single employee. Like To me, it's a bigger deal when the CEO stands up and says, hey, you entire group of people, go buy your coffee somewhere else. Like that, I don't know. I just... Hmm. But it is something to think about. You know, if you're in an urban area and you are accustomed to going to Starbucks, I, I mean, if it was me, I would probably now be a little more hesitant to take my family and particularly young children into a, into a Starbucks in an urban area, just knowing that you don't know what's going to be happening there now. Particularly when there are people... Uh, People saying they're Starbucks employees posting on Reddit about uh, uh, drugs and needles and things. Um, that's that's really, really, really not cool to me. So I, I don't think we've heard the end of the Starbucks policy. I think it may be quietly revised in the future when incidents like this become more and more frequent in urban locations. But we'll see. For now, this is the new Starbucks policy. All right, when we return, we're going to end on a lighter note. Actually, an, an actual lighter note from a Texas boy who wrote a thank you note to a police officer, but it's not anything like you would imagine, so don't go away. Okay, so there's a school in Texas that every year has its elementary students write uh, appreciation letters to the Fulshear Police Department, right? And so there's there's a bunch of different letters, and they're mostly what you would expect. Like, here's one they posted on their Facebook. It says, Dear Fullshire Police Officers, thank you so much for everything you have done. I especially want to thank you because I am a big, fat worrywart. But then I think, girl, stop your worrying. There are police officers everywhere. What I'm really trying to say is I appreciate everything you have done. And then she drew a picture of her on the ground worrying and then a police basically flying overhead as Superman, like they've got a, a cape, but instead of the Superman S, it's a P for police. I'm assuming it's for police. Um, like flying overhead, like going to save the day, like Superman. It's really cute. 
Right, so they, they share a bunch of letters like this that are just cute police appreciation letters like you would expect to see. But then... <laughs> but then... They shared another letter. A handwritten letter from a 10-year-old boy. This 10-year-old boy attends Huggins Elementary School in Fulshire, Texas. And this one... They said, stood out. It's now gone viral. Would you like me to read it to you? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you for pulling my mom over because she deserved it because she took my phone away and I did not like it. He colored in the I did not like it and made it very bold. <clears throat> So I'll, I'll start again. Thank you for pulling my mom over because she deserved it because she took my phone away and I did not like it. And how she always brags about how good of a driver she is and it just annoys me. And how that one time she got pulled over because she did not have easy sticker on her window and when she came home and told me that I just laughed. And I also remember that time when one of my mom's back lights weren't working and she got pulled over. Okay, first of all, children, honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. If you write a letter like this to your police department, you may not live long on the earth. And I will leave that statement to your own private interpretation. So, be respectful of your parents. Don't write the police a letter about how you're so glad they pulled your mom or dad over, okay? Unless your parents give you permission to do so. But this kid, this kid is just sitting in school, right? I can just picture this whole thing happening. Ten-year-olds, what grade is, what, I don't, I'm terrible with grades and ages. Is it like, it's gonna be like third grade-ish? Anyway, so there's a bunch of ten-year-olds sitting around in class. And the teacher's like, all right, guys, we're going to write thank you letters to the police officers. And this kid is like, oh, yes, give me one of those pieces of paper. I'm, I love the police because they have pulled my mom over at least three times that I know about. And they're like the best moments of my life when the police pull my mom over. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I read this letter and I was cracking up the first time I read it. But then I realized that I probably shouldn't laugh about it when I shared it with you on radio because we do have a younger audience, some of whom I could see actually doing something like this. But the honesty, right? You got to commend the honesty. So mom and dad, don't, uh, don't get pulled over. And if you're not a good driver, maybe don't brag about being a good driver. And teachers, um, maybe a little bit of direction, some things we can write to people that would be, uh, yeah, not like this. Now, they're, they're saying that they don't know whose child this is that wrote this letter. Hogwash. They... <laughs> like everybody's like, we don't know who, we don't know who this person, we don't know. No, believe me. The teacher knows, 
teachers know handwriting, okay? The teacher knows who wrote this. And the mom that this letter is about, she knows who wrote this. Somewhere in America today, there is a mom that's gone viral because her son wrote a thank you letter to the police <laughs> because they pulled his mom over. She was He was annoyed with her, so he was glad that that she got in trouble too. There you have it. That's that's my that's all I got left for today. Do with it what you will. Be sure to join us for church on Sunday, 9:30 or 11:15 here at Liberty Baptist. Our address is 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. You can find out more about our church, our pastor, listen to previous sermons, and look for upcoming events on our website at experienceliberty.com. You can also live stream our service there or over on our Facebook page. You can go like us at LBC of Las Vegas. So it's Liberty Baptist Church, the acronym, LBC of Las Vegas on Facebook, and you can watch uh, watch the live stream of our services there, find out information about what's going on at our church, and just like us, because we like you, and we would love to have you here uh, with us this Sunday. Also, 6 p.m. will be our evening service. Tomorrow will be Friday. We're going to have some fun tomorrow. Our friend Renita will be returning, so don't miss out on that. We're going to talk about different things that are celebrated on May 25th. I guarantee you do not know what you are missing out on. And you won't know unless you tune in tomorrow. Same time, same place. KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. We're going to go out today with the Collinsworth family and show a little bit of love and kindness. (laughs) 